0: Day's five hot takes. Yeah, welcome back to Day's five hot takes, guys. I am thrilled that you are back. Um, how thrilled? Michael Jackson thrilled. Er. <laughs> hey, hashtag dad joke. Um, hope everybody's well. This, this, these five hot takes are fun. We get, we do a bit of a deep dive. We stay in the shallows a little bit. Um, and you know, we just have a good time. We, we try to keep everybody interested. And when I say we, I just mean me. And I don't know why I do that, but I do. I think some of it may be because when you've been married for 15 years, like I am, uh, everything turns from I to we, and that sounds sad, but it's not. It's amazing. And I'm going to stop now before I get myself in trouble. Hot take one. First hot take is, is a bit of a cool take. It's not super hot. Um, although the, the song is hot. The song is hot, white, hot heatness. Hotness Everdeen, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and it's Harry Styles' song, uh, Watermelon Sugar. I love that record. I love Adore You. Those two songs on that album are the real stand out standouts to me. And I love that Harry's just getting weird and being really musical and making great music. I love that when someone leaves a band like that that's kind of known for its commercial mass appeal, and they make these really great records that are a little different, but still is musically, you know. Relevant and cool and poppy, I love that. Um, the thing that's really genius about Watermelon Sugar to me is they do this little math pop songwriting trick that the payoff is so substantial. And here's what I'm talking about. So you know the song goes, Watermelon Sugar, hi. Watermelon Sugar, hi. Watermelon Sugar, high high, watermelon sugar high, when they push the last high up so that it's a continuous watermelon sugar high, it is like your brain is like, I needed that so bad give me the booger sugar to snort into my brain pop happiness music town, it is wonderful, and it's that push and pull, it's the yin and the yang, it's the tug, it's all the space that when it gets, when it gets reconciled when you feel it coming, you're like, please just do it, and when they do it, you're like, oh um I love that little trick in, in that song and I think it's a I think it's another, you know, and I'm I'm sure they meant to do it and it's another sort of little move that gets you doubly invested in how great that song is and it's such a great payoff. Hot take two. So I want to do a little bit of a deeper dive on the second hot take, and this is a this is getting a little nerdy, getting nerdy with it. Um, 1935 This um This song Drops of Jupiter Everybody knows it It's a great song It was a huge hit For Train And props While I'm doing this To Pat Monahan Train's lead singer For having the life hack On how to write hits In every decade Because that guy Is still cranking out hits Which is just amazing And what an incredible voice He's one of my favorite voices In pop music But here's what's really cool About Drops of Jupiter Is is And there's a lot of songs That do this But I, I think this is a great one for To show you an example what I'm talking about And it's where the core chorus is not the hook, but the hook or the memorable part of the song, the singable part of the song, is actually in the turnarounds. It's like after um, every chorus. um, It's how the song ends. And so what's cool about that is, is the chorus is no longer needed to be memorable. It needs to serve some other purposes. And in this song, I think what happens is... They make it um, a little bizarre and unnerving in some way so that when that hook hits, the turnaround, you want to sing it as loud as you can because you feel like you've like gotten back to the safe, <laughs> you've gotten back to the trust tree, to the safe house, because that chorus is awesome, but a little like, what's happening right now? And here's what I mean by that. Here's what's happening. So it goes um, C, G, F, and C. There's your verses, Right? That's all he's doing. Then you know those chords very well. They're all in the C, uh, in the key of C. That's one, five, four, you know them. Now here's what he does on the chorus that gets a little weird and sideways and awesome. He starts on the five, then he goes to a major two, which is a D, and you go like, well, I don't know what we're doing now. Then he goes F, and you're back to C, and you kind of go, okay, I know that. Now the second half of the chorus, though, goes, tell me, and he goes back to that D major. Then he does a D minor, same, same chord, just minor. Which is in the key of C, then mm-hmm. F, and then home. So it kind of is, it's one, he does a trick to get back to C so it doesn't feel like you're leaving the key. The other thing that, that I think you feel unnerved by is you don't know if he's doing a key change. Because when he starts with G, you're like, okay, that's a five. Then he does a D. But here's a trick. If he's doing a key change, this is actually a five in the key of G. So if G is the first uh, chord in the chorus, which it is, you kind of think usually choruses start with, or you know, not all the time, but they start with the 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 one of the key, the the home uh, chord of the key, the the main chord of the key. And if that's the uh, if that's what's happening in this case, it's G. And then he goes two, and you're like, oh well, then maybe he's key changing to G, but he doesn't. He makes that 2D just be a weird chord that sounds weird with these other and cool with these other keys, uh, with these other chords uh, that aren't in the key necessarily because D should be a D minor and it's a D major. Now, all of that to say this, we're coming up for air now. Here's what's cool about that. It makes that chorus a little weird and you're kind of, you like it, you sing along and it's fun, but man, it makes a na 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 you feel like, I'm back home where things are happy. I'm back home where the key is right. And you're like, sweet Mercury of Johnson, you've taken me back to happy town. And it just makes you sing it that much louder, even on a subconscious level, because it's so familiar and so safe, and every all the math works because there's no weird chords. And I think cool songs like that, where they make a chorus a little left to center, set up memorable parts that much more and singable parts that much more, because when they hit, like all the trip all the things in your brain just all the chemicals release into like a, a rainbow of joy and beautiful wonder colors that you want to sing as loud as you can and I love that and I think that's one of the reasons that song works so well hot take three. I don't want to lose paint the pain Of this good thing Pain, pain oh, no no pain That I got Eddie Floyd, Knock on Wood One of the greatest soul songs To me in the history of time Written, uh, co-written I should say I guess by the amazing um, Steve Cropper of Muscle Shoals, uh, I'm sorry not Muscle Shoals Hello, of Memphis Sun Records Fame, you know he, he was in the in the whole you know in that whole scene Elvis Presley um all those guys that were happening in Memphis at the time he was you know Steve Cropper of Green Onions fame of of uh uh so many songs this guy has written on Dock of the Bay he wrote with he wrote for uh, for Otis Redding, I mean, this guy is a superstar songwriter and an incredible guitar player, incredible guitar player. His guitar playing on this song, to me, though, is a tutorial in how to do, how to play electric guitar. And I'll tell you the three reasons, I think. One, go back and listen to this song and listen to how much of a pocket he has. So, one, the guy is so in the pocket that he fell through the hole and he's back on the ground. (laughs) I don't know what that means, but we're going with it. Super, the guy's got more pocket than cargo shorts. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That's what I want to say. It is incredible the feel, okay? So it feels amazing and how he sits in the track and it how he sits in it, okay? Also, just the part. <laughs> It is so inventive. It's so colorful. It's so energetic. It adds to this track so much. Okay, and this is one of the things that's sort of a cheat code for songwriters that play instruments when they play on songs they've written is they know the intent. They know what they were trying to do, and a lot of times they have the coolest parts because they kind of know, like, hey, when I was writing, this is how I felt, and this is what I want to hear when I when I have instruments, you know, convey these emotions. Third, and I think what my favorite part is, the appropriate playing that he's doing. He perfectly, I mean, listen to this song, especially guitar players, he sits in the pocket. He's never in the way. He's never in the way of, one, the vocal, so he's never playing on top of when this vocal's being sung, and he's not playing in the way of the horns because when the horns come in, he just sits out. He's just kind of doing his job back there. He steps in when it's his part. He gets out of the way when it's not, and I think it makes you notice him even more because he's playing when he should and he's not when he shouldn't. It's a lesson for all of us. Um, And I love this song because of it. I mean, the groove on this song is undeniable, and I think Steve's playing on it is half of why it feels so great. Hot take four. Waiting for a star to fall, carry your heart to my arms. That's where you belong in my home, baby girl. Waiting for a Star to Fall by Boy Meets Girl. Um, Probably top 20 songs of all time for me. I say that phrase a lot and I don't mean it, but I do mean it this time. I love this song. This song has everything that I like in a song. It makes me feel things. It's super duper hooky. It's crazy, crazy nostalgic for me because it's a uh, I think, like, late 80s, early 90s song. I just love this song. I love it. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. I mean, the bridge. Hello, no, no i wait for you. I mean, give me a break, this song. I feel it all over my body. I feel it in my fingers. I love this song. Here's something. Here's a fun fact about this song that I found out, because I looked it up. It was written by two writers, Shannon Rubicam. Shannon Rubicam. Rubicam sounds like... Um, like a transformer Get over here Rubican. And then George Merrill Who were actually married at the time They're no longer married But they were married at the time Um which which I think is so cool. One, just the magic of of marriage and what it can produce. But these kind of songs, you know, they were just simpatico. They were feeling it. They were together. It was. It, the world was ahead of them and beautiful and made of gold. But here's what really really blew my mind. They also wrote and drum roll please. How will I know? And I want to dance with somebody for Whitney Houston. So think about that streak. It is like they walked into the magic forest, knocked on the troll tree, and he granted them three wishes, and those are the songs they came out with. And I think, I mean, if you had written Just How Will I Know, hang it up, dude. You're done. You're a legend forever. Add I Want to Dance with Somebody to That, and you're super done forever. And then in my opinion, you add Waiting for a Starterfall, and you have cemented yourself as a pop writing phenomenon. Um, and the fact they wrote all of those three songs And it, and it's fun too and, and here's the last point If you listen to those songs You start to hear these kind of consistencies These little nuances Melodic, melodic, you know Consistencies and stuff through these songs That you start to go Oh my God I kind of hear where these people Would have written these songs Because they do have these similar feels Or whatever But what a three-peat In my opinion For these writers And it's always fun to hear When you know of a, of a band That wrote something That they wrote other hits That they didn't sing And you go Oh my God Gosh, these guys were amazing what they do and definitely is true in this case hot take five if you've listened to this podcast at all and if you haven't welcome pull up a seat let's share some cheese and crackers <laughs> um but if you have you'll know that i love these anomalies in pop culture i love when something is longer than it should be shorter it should be why'd you do that key change why are those drums so loud i love these things and i especially love when they work i love when people go no that's fine with me it's awesome who cares how will I know that we just talked about? Um, by Whitney Houston does this in the bridge, and it does it does this for two reasons. It's sort of guilty of two charges. One, it's twelve bars. A normal bridge in a song is eight bars, if not four. So at eight bars, it's already a little longer than you think it's going to be. Okay, so she goes, "If you love me, bing a nigga, you love me not, bing a nigga, bing a So you are like. Okay, they do that twice. If he loves me, biga a do, biga a do a, a bang. If he loves, and you're like, okay, well, we got it, Whitney. Then she goes, no, I'm gonna double down. If she loves me, gong, 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 gong. kind of like the arpeggiated electric guitar. It feels a little more rock and roll all of a sudden. So that's 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 strike one, right? So so she's already made the bridge, or the songwriters in this case, George and uh, Shannon. What was her name? Yeah, Shannon. Yeah, Shannon and George, who wrote "Waiting for a Star," we just talked about. So it's already 12 bars. That's a long bridge, folks. But then they do, so there are already two strikes. It's too long. It's too weird, right? Shouldn't work. Strike two is, then it key changes, but it key changes down. And yes, you heard me right. The reason it works is, her vocal goes up, but then the key goes down. So she is going up the key she's flying up so you think let's fly with her but you don't notice the whole time the whole key change goes down so momentum and in songwriting one of the rules is you key change up that's when the people in the audience stand up that's when the choir kicks in that's when the, you just feel it you feel it in your heart in your guts when the song key changes and goes up you think this is where i fly she goes down but her vocal goes up So it's a really great trick because you sort of get to slow the momentum of the song. Usually it's easier to sing half a step down, but then she's going up. So it feels like the momentum shifts up. I love that so much. And you wonder if the reason they change down is because she could sing higher. So she could go to higher notes. Of course, Whitney Houston could sing anything. So who knows? But I love that trick. It works like a wonderful, wonderful magical sensation here. Before I go, a quick heads up. Make sure to tap that subscribe or follow button. And if you wouldn't mind rating the podcast, that would be better than finding that $20 you forgot about in your winter coat. (laughs) Also, share with a friend. And if you don't have a friend, just recommend it to me on my socials, at Dave Barnes Music, because I've actually never listened to this podcast. I'm just too scared. Well, that about wraps it up, folks. What a fun five hot takes that was. I had fun. I always do, and I hope that you did too. Um, I'm really glad you guys came and hang out. I, I hung out. <laughs> I talk for a living. Uh, I'm so glad you guys came and hung out. Um, it's always fun knowing you guys are listening and enjoying this. I love, I love getting to do it. And it's fun finding these little tidbits of music sprinkled out in the beach of life. I don't know what any of that means. Um, but I hope you do keep coming back. Um, and I feel like, you know, as always, we learn things when we do this. And, but one thing we didn't learn this week is no one in blind melon was blind. Or a melon, (laughs) for that case. So thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you next time on Days 5 Hot Takes, yeah!